Stampod Productions. Hello, welcome. I'm Sani Rajabajala and you're listening to On Your Bike. Primoz Roglic is on the move and we'll be seeing him racing for Bora Hansgrohe next season. So why is he leaving one of cycling's giants in Jumbo Visma? And does this mean we'll see the Slovenian top of the podium in 2024 at the Tour de France? All that and more as we delve into the world of Primoz Roglic here on On Your Bike. Friday the 6th of October and a tweet pops up with a cartoon animation and the whole thing lasts nine seconds but confirms the rumours that have been circulating for the last few days at least. It's Primos in cartoon form in a yellow and black Yumbo Visma colours uh, riding through a tunnel and when he emerges out of the other side he's changed to green, black and red from Yumbo Visma to Bora Hansgrohe. And then he goes on a climb before jumping off and doing his uh, trademark ski jump pose. And with that, we know the deal is done. Katie Madgwick, fellow presenter here on On Your Bike and of RightBikeRepeat.com. Primoz Roglic to Bora. I know in the few days leading up to Friday the 6th, it's became a bit of an open secret. And we've known that he's going to be leaving Jumbo Visma for quite some time. Yes, I think there were rumours after the Vuelta this year that... It just wasn't working out anymore between Roglic and Jumbo Visma. It sort of feels like an amicable separation, if you like. I can just definitely confirm, yes, that uh, I will leave the team, but uh, we want to tell all the details uh, to wear uh, after uh, after the races that I do. He's so, been very yes, successful with them yeah. for a number of years, as we all know, um, and we'll talk about later in the episode, but... Bora has been the most likely destination for the last few days and they've just been ironing out a few details with his contract. Yeah, going back to La Vuelta a España, when Roglic took the took the line, did we, did we see this is the outcome? Is this all down to what happened with Sepkus uh, winning the red jersey? It's a really good question. I wonder if the move would have happened anyway because it's not a secret that Primoz Roglic targets the Tour de France. It's it's the one glaring omission from his Palmares at the moment. And he desperately wants to go there as leader. Um, and a move away from Jumbo Visma is really the only thing that will allow that to happen. However, I think what happened at the Vuelta cemented the, the, the likelihood of him leaving because it was clear... I think at the Vuelta that he wasn't the favoured rider, even in a race where that he's won uh, three times previously and was going for his fourth win. Yeah, and just going back to the Vuelta again, I know in the latter stages there was that one near the end where uh, Roglic and, and Vinegar actually uh, dropped. Because to get a second win to try and come back on, and Primoz Roglic not one look back, but Jonas Vinegar he checked twice. was there. He's the first guy that I wish he wins. But uh, looking to myself and uh, my responsibilities, uh, who I am, uh, yes, I'm here to race and I'm here to 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 do my best. And at the end, yeah, the best one will win. And then Kuss afterwards said go for it guys or something on the radio he got a lot of stick as well didn't he Roglic for doing that yeah and I think it's really hard to it, you, you have to kind of see both sides of the story I think Roglic was supposed to be the leader for the Vuelta um Vingegaard was added to the team you know I mean you're going to add your strongest riders if they're fit to ride um to the team and then obviously when Kuss took the red jersey everything changed uh and it became a different dynamic within the team and I think that yeah it was I don't want to put words in people's mouths it's hard to know exactly who felt what and who thought what at the time 
but there was definitely some ripples of dissatisfaction, let's put it that way. Hmm, so ripples of dissatisfaction, that is a very uh, tactful way of putting it. But he's leaving the super team of Jumbo Visma, uh, and we've talked all about um, who Jumbo are uh, in our episode on the proposed merger between them and Sudal Quickstep. Uh, and Katie, as has become tradition now, I've been Googling the sponsors of Bora Hansgrohe. So I can tell you that Bora are a German kitchen company. They have a holistic kitchen concept. They say they're more than cooking and that they transform kitchens from a functional place to a genuine living space. So that's that's Bora. And Hansgrohe, uh, well, I went on their website um, and they make precision engineers parts for bathrooms and kitchens. Um, really interesting picture they had in the bathroom on the on the website it says imagine a bathroom like never before and it looks pretty nice you know it's like marble and uh brass and the shower looks great but what really kind of jumps out is there's a woman in like this big blue dressing gown uh kind of like wafting the hair kind of moving the hair out of place <laughs> of what i could only describe as a sexy santa he's like <laughs> tanned really ripped young uh, in this grey towel with a massive six-pack, but then, like, yeah, a grey hair and beard. It, it, it's, it doesn't quite seem right. And also, there's, like, a pair of Ming vases on the floor in the corner. Um, anyway, I don't know if that's the concept, but that, that's what they've gone with. So that's me getting lost in the sponsors. What about the actual team? Uh, where What's their background? Yeah, so Bora Hansgrohe are a German team. Um, they've been around with us for about um, just over a decade, I think, although I think it's only been a few years um, that they've been a world tour team, or they, they moved up from continental level anyway, to world tour in 2017. They're managed by former cyclist Ralph Denk, and they have had a pretty consistent um, kind of showing in various races um, with lots of different riders coming through. Obviously, Peter Sagan is the one who is probably most recognisably um, a successful Bora rider from the last few years. He's going to get his first victory in Giro d'Italia and indeed it has been a truly glorious, truly beautiful success indeed. He calls for the accolade of the crowd. He's certainly going to get that. Put your hands together. Chapeau. What about that? Peter Sagan gets victory on stage 10. Holds them off by just a handful. Yeah, and we'll, um, we're doing our own special episode on Peter Sagan in no time at all after he uh, announced his retirement. But where are, where are Bora up to now and, and why Roglic and why now? Yeah, so they've been kind of on the fringes of, of being one of the top teams for a few years. But they've, in terms of GC, they've got a few good GC riders. But that is mainly what they are. They're good GC riders. Um, and they've had, they've had good sprinters over the years. They've had Sam Bennett recently, who is now moving on. They've got Danny Van Poppel, who's succeeding really well. Uh, in sprinting and Jordi Meus. Um, in terms of um, GC riders, they've got Alexander Vlasov, Jai Hindley, uh, who well, they've had their biggest success with, actually. With, he won the 2022 Again, Giro d'Italia. Oh, Canapaz is cracked! Canapaz is cracked! Now, Kemna, if he knows that, needs to pile the pressure on here with Hindley on his wheel. And the Maliorosa is fighting to retain contact here. Hindley knows he's got an opportunity. It's now or never for the Australian. Can he ride away from Richard Canapaz? And they've got some really great young talent coming through as well. So a future GC star the Belgian rider Kian Outerbrooks, who uh, performed really well at the Vuelta this year, in fact, and achieved a top 10 place on GC. And he is the real deal. He's only 20 at the moment, but he looks set to become 
the next big thing really in terms of GC riders. So Roglic, why now you say? Well, why not? Essentially, when, when it became known that he was on the market, I think there were a fair few teams that were interested. Obviously, we'll never know the details about who offered what. But when Primoz Roglic goes on the market, one of the top GC riders in the world, you, you, you jump at the chance. So obviously, Bora found the budget for him, came to, to agree terms, and, and it's a done deal, as, as you said. Um, he's got a proven track record. He's won Grand Tours, uh, a number of Grand Tours, in fact, um, and it seems like a really a good case of just great timing, right person, right place, right time. So there you go. That's Roglic as a as a as a GC general classification uh, main man, and that's on the why. What about the who? Coming up from ski jumper to Grand Tour winner, Primoz Roglic's unconventional rise to the top of cycling and the descent from where he wants to be. Katie, I know in the world of cycling, it's become a bit of a meme, hasn't it? Did you know Primoz Roglic used to be a ski jumper? Uh, and yeah, that, that sort of thing has followed him around through his entire career. But to the un- in uninitiated, let's kind of get into this. So he's the only child of a son of a miner in Slovenia, got into ski jumping when he was about 10, uh, and, and he was pretty good at it. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he he um, he ski jumped for his country. Um, he, won, he won... Uh, title with the t- the team at junior level and yeah he was pretty talented um he had the the sort of drive and and determination of someone who's cut out to be a top level sports person but he had a terrible accident in 2007 at a comp it was a training event actually for a competition i think and he crashed really hard and obviously you can imagine i mean if you want to go and look at it the footage is available on youtube i don't recommend it it's not not really fun viewing uh but as you can imagine it's pretty scary and um ski jumping crashes are, are not you know they're not to be taken lightly at all he actually only sustained some concussion and a broken nose it wasn't as life-threatening as it looked as if it could be but i think that it got into his head um he says he, that he he wasn't the same afterwards i don't think yeah, the the crash at uh, Planitia. It's um, really quite horrible viewing, as you say, like ragdoll, quite quite awful. Um, but it, yeah, so he he did do those a bit more seasons, didn't progress. He got into cycling, but it wasn't quite as straightforward as just picking up a bike, was it? No, it's not as simple as all that, especially when you're in a country where uh, pro level cycling isn't really on a par with you know some of the other countries in Europe. Uh, Slovenia didn't have a huge cycling scene at the time so he had to phone up local continental team bosses and ask them can I come and ride for your team and obviously they kind of thought well who is this guy and why should we take a chance on him so he went out and got his own bike and turned up at local races and proved himself and they yeah and the 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 owner of Adria Mobile took a chance on him and signed him up. Yeah I was reading that he worked in a supermarket and bought a bike second-hand a racing bike and you know as soon as he went on those training things he kind of showed he, he was he had loads more to give and Primoz Roglic is um one of the big reasons you got into cycling isn't he why is that it was at the time when Sky who were kind of transitioning into becoming Ineos um had a total monopoly at the Tour de France obviously we had there was seven seven years really where we had only one anomaly which was Vincenzo Nibali winning in 2014 
sorry Vincenzo didn't mean to call you an anomaly <laughs> who won fair and square but Sky were so dominant at the Tour de France and whilst it was great to see British riders doing well Chris Froome and then obviously Grant Thomas did really well and won in 2018 that was amazing loved that experience but at the same time as a cycling fan you want to see the top teams going head to head in a in a more balanced fashion and I think there was a sense with Lotto, it was Lotto NL Lotto Jumbo at the time that within that team there was the potential for a proper challenge um they were and they had Primoz Roglic coming up through the ranks um and obviously there's you know that he he got into the Giro first and he won a stage of the Tour de France in the tw- in 2017 and he was going toe to toe with the likes of Froome and Thomas and the rest uh and and showing on on big mountains you know his first Tour de France stage in 2017 was on the Col de Galibier it wasn't a summit finish but he had he he used his climbing skill to move away from the group of favorites and win in a, in a breakaway by over a minute actually. Alberto Contador catches Roglic does not have any fear of attacking on Telegraph and Galibier and just this is an incredible solo, especially he spent so long off the front of the peloton. Really remarkable ride. And, and there was just this sense of of potential of, yes, this is the guy. This is the guy who's going to challenge. Um, and it was exciting. So this guy has kind of come out of nowhere. He's a, an ex-ski jumper who's shown he can climb really well. He's got a couple of stage wins words going around that this is the Slovenian guy and they well and truly then know who he is and then we get to what 2018 2019 yeah so from his first win in 2017 he gets another one in 2018 so this is the year that Geraint Thomas won the tour and he actually came fourth um, on GC that year he won another stage in the Pyrenees it's always been a great stomping ground for him and he's showing his GC potential he's showing that yes he can be the guy So in 2019, the decision was made to have Roglic do the Giro Vuelta double, which for the uninitiated means that he would do the Giro d'Italia in May, skip the Tour de France because uh, sort of understood that it's a bit too soon to be at your best at the Tour de France after having really gone all in at the Giro, and then do the Vuelta Espana in September, sort of August, September time. And that is doable for a lot of good GC riders. So he chose, or the team chose for him to do that double. And it's kind of, un- well, it's kind of thought that he might have won both, but he had two pretty heavy crashes at the Giro um, and came third overall. But he proved along the way that not only is he good on the climbs, but he's incredible at time trialling. And obviously we we know that to be a good GC rider, you need to have that string to your bow. You can't just be good at going up mountains. You have to be able to time trial. And he won two stages at, at that Giro on the time trials and then he went on to win the Vuelta so that was his first Grand Tour and we really were starting to see the potential that he'd shown come to fruition. Primoz Roglic has pretty much won this year's Vuelta Espana now just one stage left into Madrid tomorrow. Here's how it looks at the end of today Valverde at 2 minutes and 33 now Pagaccia up to third and into the white jersey Quintana holds 2020 on to- as we all know is punctuated by that pandemic um, how did he do then? So 2020 was a big shock for everybody um, across the world for various reasons. Uh, But in the cycling world, we had the huge shock of the 2020 Tour de France, which 
I think was felt by the cycling world on a, on a kind of a different level because of how dramatic it was. So for those who, who weren't around at the time and watching the tour, um, Roglic was leading the Tour de France. So it was a late Tour de France that year, obviously, because cycling didn't pick up the season until the end of August. And that's when we started back with all the races and rescheduled races and everything. So the Tour de France was late that year. Uh, but Roglic was leading for Jumbo Visma. They had Tom de Moulin in there as well as a backup leader. He was riding really well. Roglic starting in yellow and holding a 57 second advantage, hoping to become the first Slovenian to win the Tour de France. And everything was going according to plan, apart from uh, a certain Tadej Pogacar, um, young upstart, also from Slovenia, riding for UAE Team Emirates, nipping at the heels of Roglic and proving on a couple of occasions that he could outdo Roglic, certainly on a fast finish. Um, so, yeah, we get to the final time trial. It's the La Planche de Belfi, very famous steep uphill finish. And I'm sure that even if you weren't watching the tour at the time, you must have seen the pictures of Roglic. But the bigger prize is the yellow jersey that surely awaits. He is sprinting across the final few hundred metres. Next bigger gear, Pogacar is riding history with his pedals. Riding up that final climb, red in the face, looking discombobulated, helmet askew, um, in the yellow jersey, of course, because he was leading the race by about 50 seconds at the time. And he did not have a good day. And Tadej Pogacar had an incredible day. Um, and he overturned 1 minute 20, basically, in, in the on the time trial to, to take over the... Or it, he ended up with a 1 minute 20 lead. And it was just, it, it was like a gut punch. And the gap between first and second is etched across their faces. Roglic has been consoled, but Tom Dumoulin on the left, Walt van Aert there as well. It was literally like, I think the whole world must have been holding its breath that day. It was the, the team, like the video footage, if you can find it it's out there because they made a documentary about that tour and I don't think the documentary had the ending that they were expecting everyone on the team the management the riders are all just it's just pure shock um, and there's a meme actually of of Tom de Moulin and Wout van Aert standing at the end of the time trial like waiting for for the result and just looking stony-faced and absolutely dumbfounded yeah um Matt Warwick on the BBC Sport website at the time described it as one of the the saddest sights in modern sports seeing uh primos roglic just you know coming out as a shell of a man he says it was almost samson like shorn of his powers the color drained from his face but as you say um the big beneficiary there was Tadej Pogacar uh what happened after that yeah so it was a weird it was weird after that because obviously there was this sense of division, actually, because Slovenian cycling was having this real resurgence, or I don't even know if it really is, could count as a resurgence. They were, they were on top of the world, essentially. But Roglic and uh, the Roglic fans were very much kind of, hang on a second, this is, it was Roglic's kind of time. You know, he would, he'd risen to that role, he was there, he was in the perfect position, and then Pogacar kind of poaches it off him. I mean, it, that's how it felt a little bit at the time. So it felt a little bit like, it was just like a thunderbolt through the cycling world. It was it was incredibly dramatic, very exciting, absolutely devastating, all those things at the same time. Roglic was undeterred. He is a pragmatic man. He he bounces back from 
from bad experiences like you know well like a true sportsman has to and he went on to win the Vuelta that year in a brilliant performance um with a great team around him and actually somebody that was there that day when he won all that time when he won at the, the Vuelta in 2020 was Jonas Vingegaard um he was featured for the first time in Roglic's support train in the mountains and there was a little flicker of oh who's this face um that, and then we we didn't little did we know at the time we were going to come to know and love him uh within the next few years yeah know and love i'm not sure if uh, everyone would agree uh with <laughs> that and yeah that that comes up in the the 2021 tour um roglification is something you've written in in our notes here what do you mean by that so it was a term coined by daniel freeb from the cycling podcast um in 2021 Roglic obviously was going to go for the tour again. That was the aim. Before that, we have Paris-Nice, which is a great sort of one-week stage race where lots of the top GC riders go head-to-head. And he became known um, for kind of poaching a win, really. It was actually from the late Gino Maida, um, who was leading from a breakaway. And Roglic chased him down on a, on a mountaintop finish and road just steamed past him because he wanted to get the bonus seconds because bonus seconds count you know every every little counts when it comes to being a gc rider these bonus seconds add up um and he did the same on on some other stages and it it there was there was a bit of contention about it like well couldn't you let the guy have the stage and you know this that and the other he he was maybe accused of being a little bit cutthroat at the time so roglification is essentially this this drive to get every single second that you can um squeeze every last second out of you know the the bonus sprints and all those kinds of things um so yeah and the term's actually kind of taken on a meaning of its own since then so that's roglification this idea of getting every single every single second out there everything you can out there um i mentioned 2021 and uh, Jonas Vinigo, uh, because we're talking about the tour and that's where something that we never envisaged happening did happen and Jonas Vinigo ended up taking over from Primus Roglic. So 2021, yes, the tour of carnage, beginning with the Omiopi incident. For those who weren't watching at the time, we've got a fan at the side of the road holding up a sign saying hello to her grandparents, Omiopi, which is in is sort of a colloquial term in German for grandparents. She was facing the camera, not the peloton, uh, turned and knocked over, essentially, uh, the peloton. Oh, a huge crash at the side of the road. Oh, I don't know what happened there, but everyone has come down. The entire peloton has crashed. I don't know what happened. Um, I was looking up that what happened to that fan, by the way, and um, they were fined 1,200 euros. Yeah, looking at the pictures, just so idiotic. Idiotic. Yeah, the Jumbo Visma were the worst affected. They were the ones on the side of the road where the fan was with the sign and their whole team just skittled down. Um, lots of other riders taken out and injured as well. It was a huge, huge pile-up. Um, and that wasn't, the, that wasn't the end of it. So everybody carried on. I mean, there were a few dropouts, but in terms of Roglic's progress, which we're tracking here, he carried on. There was another crash a few stages later, uh, and he really hurt himself on that one and he laboured on for a few stages and I think there was a bit of indecision among the team about what they would do um, and then eventually on stage nine he retired from the race leaving Jonas Vingegaard as the team leader um, but by then today Pogacar had launched his massive um, attack 
that put him minutes away from the rest of the competition. So the GC effectively was over that year. He's conquered the mountains. He's conquered the Tour de France. Here he goes. Tadej Pogacar, they're sprinting back at him. Has he got enough time? Vengegaard is there. Tornado Tadej wins at Lusardi Den. Behind him is Vengegaard. So, a bad end to the Tour in 2021. Did it get any better? Yes, uh, it did get better again after that. Roglic was able to heal in time to take on the time trial at the Tokyo Olympics, which was obviously delayed for a year. It was meant to be the 2020 Olympics. It took place in 2021 and he won Olympic gold, which was another great um, recovery from him. And he was then also able to go back to the Vuelta and win another one, second year in a row. Absolutely stunning. Primoz Roglic has won the Vuelta by 23 seconds. So, pretty happy times. And then we get to the tour again. This time, though, he's going to be dual leader with Jonas Vingegaard. This roller coaster of Roglic as a cyclist, he's up and then he's down and then he's down some more. And on the stage in Arenberg, it was a cobbled stage. That was the feature of the stage was the cobbles, and but it wasn't the cobbles that he crashed on that everyone was worried about. It was he collided with a with a haystack that was really badly positioned, dislocated his shoulder, pops it back in again as you do, and continued on his way. And he was too hurt to really be able to commit to that that full-on GC leadership. But he carried on enough that he and Jonas Vingegaard between them properly stitched up Tadej Pogacar on stage 11, the best Grand Tour stage that I think I've ever seen. On Col de Granon, they did the one-two attacks, really isolated Pogacar. Again. Roglic hits him again. Vengegaard goes again, launches down the left-hand side, flat out. Pogacar immediately jumps onto the wheel. And Jonas Vingegaard was able to undo him. And Roglic, unfortunately, once again, was not in favour for the leadership anymore. He was too injured and had to withdraw. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, I mean, th those two was a was a great example of like, teamwork, wasn't it? Despite despite Roglic wanting to be the main man, and we've we seen subsequently he really did want to be the main man when it came to Sepkus and all that in the Welter this year. Uh, but he did have some redemption as well at the Giro this year too. I mean, if you could write a story about a person in, in cycling at the moment and there, or in a, in a sport even, his, his ups and downs and redemptions and so on. Redemption's one of those words that sports journalists throw around. And, and I, like a bit, I like a big dramatic storyline as much as the next journalist. But it really was, it, it felt poetic this year at the Giro. A mountaintop finish, a time trial, the final stage at which he could make an impact on the GC. He's since been to the Tour de France and we saw all the drama. He's since won the welter three times. He's an Olympic champion and he's riding with every last little what to try and grab the pink jersey off the back of Geraint Thomas. And everybody was just like, please don't let it happen again. Um, it was a really similar type of stage, actually, but with a possibly it was even a longer climb, I think, on Montelisari. Um, and he had a mechanical up the climb and, we, and, and the, 
once again we were like no come on this can't be happening um a fan helped him get back on again he quickly sorted his issue out he carried on and he was able to overturn grant thomas and win the giro d'italia becoming the first slovenian ever to do so and kind of it wasn't the tour de france no but it 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 felt like some of the hurt from 2020 was kind of erased on that day he was able to really deliver the goods on a time trial uphill which you know of course we we all expect him to do well in those kind of situations i'm gonna say it was a redemption you're listening to on your bike up next is everything geared up for the tour de france for roglic and does the 33 year old have what it takes to be in yellow in nice when a tour ends in 2024 So, Katie, Primoz Roglic, he, he should have won the Tour de France by now, uh, by the sounds of things. Crashes, bad luck. It, it seems like it's all gone uh, against him in the past. And, and then, yeah, the emergence of another another rider taking over. What is it he can get from Bora that he can't get from Biombo? Sole leadership. That's the answer to the question. So he wants to win the Tour de France. There's no secret about it. He's had so much bad luck. Um, it's like, it feels like a, what's the word? Like an albatross, really, that he's carrying now. We know he can win a Grand Tour. He's won four. Um, a Giro d'Italia and three Vuelta Espanas. He can win a Grand Tour. He's been so close. He's had so much bad luck. And he wants to go with the full backing of a team. And unfortunately, he just, he knew, we all knew, that he would not be able to have that for the foreseeable future at Jumbo Visma with Jonas Fingergold, twice winner, uh, the reigning champion and undoubtedly the leader again for Jumbo Visma next year. I mean, I think one example I can think of, and it's not quite the same, but um, think back to when Tim Henman was playing Goran Ivanisevic and he was in the ascendancy at Wimbledon. I remember it well. And Yeah, and then, and then the rain came, there was no roof, so they had to stop for the day. And the next day they came out and Ivanisevic won and everyone was like, oh, that was that was Henman's moment. Could it could it be too late for Roglic now? You know, he, he's had those chances. He's not getting any younger. Uh, and maybe just he wasn't at the right time, the right place. It just all didn't quite get there for him and maybe it won't ever. Yep, you strike at the heart of the matter, I think. Um, he has had some really good opportunities to win the Tour and it hasn't happened. It does feel a little bit like fate's working against him. And with, at Bora, he doesn't have quite the same level of support at the moment. Uh, he doesn't have quite the same, maybe, resources at his disposal. We talked in our episode about Jumbo Visma, about their incredible top-of-the-range resources and, and uh, every in every single element of the sport. Um, however... The mindset's a big thing for Primos, I think. And I think having the confidence of his team behind him, there is some great support there. There's some. They've signed Danny Martinez from Ineos. Uh, he's, we've seen him lead Egan Bernal to, to victory at the Giro d'Italia. A fantastic photo. If you haven't seen it, try and find it of him urging Bernal up a climb at the Giro near the end of the race. And Bernal's really struggling and he shakes his fist at him like come on you know you can do this a brilliant support rider um and they've got some other great gc riders who you know they might use for support for primos at the tour in exchange for their own leadership opportunities um so it's probably the best outcome i think in terms of where he could have ended up personally speaking i think that's you know it's his best chance at, at having his own Johnny shot Legends. essentially alfredo binda fausto copy 
and now today Pogaccia, the only riders to win three successive tours of Lombardy. The fight for the podium was won by Badjoli. He'd finished second. Roglic would end his relationship with Jumbo Visma, his last ever race for the team in third. I mean, it's, yeah, it's emotional. Yeah, it's crazy yeah? uh, how fast all these years went uh, uh, through. Uh, for sure, I wanted to, to really finish in a style uh, today. But uh, anyway, really uh, probably helped me also that, that I just put everything that I had on the road. Uh, and. Uh, now thinking back, uh, for me, you know, sometimes you win, and uh, yeah, it doesn't really cost you so much effort when you're super good. But yeah, sometimes then you are third, and uh, really takes super a lot out of you. And uh, yeah, I think today was one of that days. So for me, it's actually a, a little victory. But uh, yeah. Uh, on the podium. So Roglic, third in Lombardia, the day after his announced move to Bora. That was him speaking to the Cycling Pro Net YouTube channel. Definitely give them a subscribe when you get a moment. Katie, what are your predictions for Primos for next year? <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. I think he'll go out and win a lot of week-long stage races because he's very good at doing that. Things like Catalonia, Exulia uh, Basque Country, Paris-Nice, as we've mentioned, maybe the Dauphiné. I don't know what his programme will be, though. That's just, you know, speculation. But he'll go to the Tour de France as sole leader. And I really, really don't want to have to predict how it will turn out. One thing is for certain is if the merger doesn't happen and Remco stays at a different team to Jonas, we've got potentially a four-way battle of epic proportions to look forward to. Yeah, so reminders of those four riders then. Jonas Vingegaard, current champion. Tadej Pogacar, uh, twice champion himself and ever the the sort of yin to Vingegaard's yang. Um, Remco Evenepoel at Quickstep, who hasn't taken on the tour yet. Um, so it's a, it would be a big step for him, but he's ready, I think, and we want to see that battle. And of course, Primus Roglic himself. So by the sounds of things, is it is it good, therefore, that um, Primus Roglic has joined Bora Hansgrohe? Yes. Good for the sport? It is. Oh, yes. 100%. I'm really pleased about it. I think it's a great move for Primos. I think it's a great step forward for the sport because what we want to see is great leaders spread out across different teams so we can see them going head to head. The situation we had at the Vuelta was unprecedented. It was not meant to turn out exactly like that. But it, whilst it was brilliant and everybody loves GC Kuss and we were really thrilled for him, Nobody wants to see that level of monopoly um, in a sport. So spreading the resources, spreading the best riders across the teams can only be a good thing. We haven't even mentioned Ineos or Little Trek, who themselves are building a great GC team. We could be on for one of the best Tour de France's in, well, I don't know, maybe ever. Let's not exaggerate, but yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like it's all pretty positive, KT. Uh, Something we haven't really talked about, though, is what he's like as a person. Um, I don't know how much of an insight you get into riders, but but what what do you know? He's one of those riders who was a difficult nut to crack for the media, I think, for a few years. Um, He's quite a quiet, guarded person, um, quite private. He is clearly very well liked by his teammates. They're clearly very comfortable in his company. He likes a good laugh and a joke. Um, He works extremely hard and he's extremely single-minded in his dedication to the sport, which is what you have to be. And yeah, in recent years, we've started to see him opening up a little bit, uh, getting a little bit more into his kind of thinking. And and he's been a bit more 
um, expressive with with the media. And but the, to the point where we are learning that he is quite a funny guy. He says some pretty pragmatic things. He's quite. He just seems very laid back, and and he accepts the outcomes and the realities of the sport, even when things don't go his way. And it's quite. It's quite refreshing to see that sometimes. Uh, well, uh, and given your predictions, he, he seems like he'll uh, not have too much bad things to kind of put behind him and, and lots of positives to kind of think on and then also just not really engage with too much, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're just about out of time. Um, so thank you to Katie Magic of RightBikeRepeat.com. We've also had some lovely feedback to our episodes. Um, it would really help us if you get a moment, if you give us a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts, uh, I think that's where, where, where we're all at, isn't it? Um, five stars and some words actually make a really big difference because uh, we are just a kind of small, independent, Conti team outfit, if you like, just trying to uh, mix it up with the big boys. Uh, and anything you can say, um, if it's nice, uh, will actually help us quite a lot. Maybe even get us in the charts, who knows? Uh, but for now, I've been Sani Rudrabachula. And I've been Katie Madwick. And this has been On Your Bike, and we will be returning very soon. On Your Bike is a Sandpod production. 